0: Jesus name. Amen. We are traveling through uh, the story that Mark wrote down for us. And this morning we're in Mark chapter 5 and we're going to see that Jesus is going to calm a different kind of story, a storm. Uh, I would like to just kind of tie you into the flow. Mark ha- Mark's writing a story and there's a flow, and unfortunately, sometimes we allow the flow of the story to be interrupted by chapters and verses. Those are not inspired, those were put there uh, during Reformation days for us to become students of the Bible. In some ways, not the storytellers of the Bible. So, if you would, let me back you up into Mark chapter 4 and just imagine Jesus is teaching about the parable of the sower, and just imagine. Uh, you know, here's a picture of the fields. They're not huge fields. There's no tractors. There's no noise. There's just uh, just this this pleasant, you know, this little seeding of these very small fields. And, and then just this promise of, you know, if you get the seed in the right place, you're sure to have this produce. So imagine if, if you're just one of the disciples with Jesus, he's telling you that story. And then a chapter later, here you are watching 2,000 pigs run off a cliff in a, in a crazed slaughter. Would that not kind of... I mean, what doesn't that, like, turn your head? And then imagine, again, just imagine that you're in that boat, and that boat wasn't very big, and you're in the middle of a storm, and the fishermen, I, I believe Peter, James... Uh, Andrew, John, the four fishermen, I, I think they're manning the boat. I, I don't think it's Peter that wakes Jesus up. I think Peter's busy uh, trying to keep the boat from sinking. I, I envision it's, it's Matthew, it's the tax collector. It's the guy, he's not been on the sea much. He's not been in a storm probably. He's the guy that's saying, oh my goodness, the boat's filling up with water and you don't care, Jesus, we're drowning. So imagine you're in that life-threatening Toss boat, and then you wake Jesus up. He says, be still, and the wind stops. He says, be calm, and the sea stops. And then I think he lays back down. And I I think, with his eyes closed, he says, you know, where where did your your faith go? And I think in very kind of hushed tones, we we need to let him go back to sleep. Who is this guy that even the wind and, and the rain... Obey. They listen to They obey him. They listen to him. So you go from that life-threatening storm with Jesus to the other side and you encounter now a very troubled individual. That's the next storm. So, I mean, you've just stepped off of the boat thinking, oh, thank God there's land and we're not tossing. And all of a sudden, the, the welcome committee for the other side is... A crazy man. And again, you're traveling with Jesus from, in the disciples' perspective, from our side, the good side, the clean side, the God's side, and you're going to the other side, which is the unclean side. It's not God's side, it's their side. And so they're Just imagine being there with Jesus. And so it really raises this question for me, and you don't have to answer this right now, but I want it to stick with you. What can we learn from this sequence of stories about our expectations when following Jesus? Mark 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart... The shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. Welcome to the other side. I really just imagine at least one disciple saying, I knew it, I knew we shouldn't have gone to the other side. You know, not only are we defiling ourselves by leaving the chosen place where God is to go to the now we're now you got this guy living in the tombs. Now we're even more defiled by this tomb man. And this first person that the man he is demon possessed and he's homeless. He's also naked. He lives in a cemetery. And then at night he howls. I mean, I would think that would be like eerie howling. And I mean, this is like he's bruising himself with stones. That's like people that cut themselves. Self-destructive. I want to die. I want to die. And he breaks anybody that tries to help him, restrain him, keep him from hurting himself, he breaks those chains. And again, I just I think the disciples are just like going, what? What has he gotten us into now? The story continues. When this crazy demon-possessed man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran. said, <laughs> What do you think that was like? He's coming toward us. <laughs> You think anybody jumped back in the boat? I'm kind of thinking somebody did. He ran, and he bowed down before Jesus, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion for we are many. Oh, gosh. (laughs) The demons begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Do you see the contrast? Bowing before Jesus, yet yelling at the top of your voice. I mean, what in the world? And Jesus' simple, I think probably calm, Come out, of, come out of the man. I mean, Jesus was quick to discern this poor soul is being tormented by demons. And the demons within him are thousands. And again, they're asking for mercy. Do not, don't torment us. Well, what are you doing to the guy that you're indwelling? Don't send us from this country. Familiar, remember the thing about familiar spirit. We, we know this territory. We kind of have charge in this. Don't send us from here. Don't end our rule here. And now there was on the hillside a great herd of swine feeding, and the unclean spirits begged Him, Send us into the swine. Let us enter them. So He gave them permission. He gave them permission. That's that's really important. Because what's about to happen is not what Jesus commissioned to happen. He gave them permission. They entered the pigs. The unclean spirits came out of the man, entered the swine, and immediately the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the the steep bank into the sea, and they were drowned. The swine herd, the herdsmen, ran off. They told it in the city and in the country, and people came out to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus, and they saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed in his right mind, the very man who had the legion, the thousands of demons, and they were afraid. His sanity frightened them. And those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. And they began to beg Jesus, just as the spirits begged Jesus. But their request was different. Jesus, we beg you to leave our neighborhood. I mean, that, that section just leaves me with questions. One of them is, you know, what does the crazed slaughter of 2,000 pigs teach us? about the vicious rule of the kingdom of the evil one. Don't make any mistake. The evil one wants to destroy everything that God created. He was in the process of destroying that individual, that man. He was tormenting a man. And in an instant... Those spirits led those swine to their death. The evil one is into destruction. He is into death. That that's all he exists for. And what what is it that so frightened these locals? That seeing this man I mean they were I mean again. Were they so used to the status quo of, he, of hearing this guy's howling voice on the hills and, I mean, gossiping about, oh, do you see old Crazy Ray running around in the tombs again? I mean, the talk of the town at the coffee shop, oh, yeah, you know. I mean, again, were they so familiar with the spirits that that just, well, that's just the way it's going to be. And so when they saw the power of God, that there's nothing else other than the power of God, the, the rule of God, was reestablished in that area. It displaced the kingdom of darkness in an instant. That, and that is, that, is that so frightened them? Oh, wow. Wow, if God's going to set things right in his life, what's that mean for me? I'm, I, I, I know I'm just left with a question. And then that they would ask Jesus to leave. We would, we would I mean, I'm all, I almost hear, okay, what? Could you could you just like leave the spirits alone and could you just leave? And it just that just I don't what? On a little brighter note, as Jesus was getting into the boat, notice Jesus didn't argue. Wow, that's incredible. That the king can be rejected, which is a big part of the story. Our, rebe- our rebellion is so deep; we, we reject our King. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who'd been possessed by demons begged him again. this—there's so much of this begging, and it's these are just this, this is a heart-wrenching passage. Begged him that he might be with him, and Jesus said, "No." So he said to him, go, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy has shown you. And so the man went away. And he began to proclaim, he began to announce on the Decapolis, so the whole area, the other side, how much Jesus had done for him, how much mercy Jesus had shown to him, and everyone who heard his story was Amazed. The healed man, I mean, he wanted what all disciples want, and what all disciples need. I I want to be with you. Again, I, I love that we gather on Sunday mornings and I love that we spend an extended time in song and worship. That is is the longest that I spend with us, with Jesus, week by week. I need to spend that time with you, with Jesus. That's what forms and that's what shapes me. Part of it. That's that's all, I just want to be with you. I I know, I want to be with you. And there's just a small touch of relationship. I want to be with you. And Jesus refused. Again, I think there's a lesson we, we need to know that sometimes Jesus says no. But it's for our good. There's something else that he's hoping for us that we would not receive if we got in the boat and went the other side. His instructions were simple. Go home. Go home to your household. So it really includes not only, it's not just broadly friends, but it's go home to your place. Go home to your village. Go home to your family and to your friends, the people that you're related to. Go home to them. And I believe that's where he, when he started there. But when it talks about the Decapolis, he told everybody in his home and then he began to broaden out. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy has had he's shown you. And I loved, I loved the connection with where Noel was within worship. Uh Best I know, we get in trouble with spirits because we, like, make mistakes. Like, we put ourselves in positions of doing things that are immoral, or we do things that are unclean, or we have uh, unresolved bitterness and anger that we're holding on to, and I believe that invites demonic activity into our lives. I don't believe that this guy ended up with thousands of demons because he did, he just was this innocent guy. I, he did stuff that resulted in him being in a horrible place. But does Jesus address that at all? He doesn't say, well, you know, guy, you know, if you would have cleaned if you would have done this, this, if you would have, well, you need to repent of this, 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 and this, and this, then I can help you. Jesus doesn't do that. He just just sees, man, this this man created in God's image has been ravished by the evil one. And and I'm I'm not that concerned about how we got in this state. I'm concerned about showing him the mercy of God, the unmerited favor. He does not deserve me to help him, but I'm going to help him. Because that's what I came for. It is mercy that leads us to repentance. How do we get that wrong? How do we get that wrong? Because we need to follow Jesus. And he's showing him mercy, knowing that when this man receives mercy, his life is forever going to be changed. And it was. Go tell him all that I've done for you. Jesus did for him what no one else could have done for him. Except for those that Jesus commissioned to do the same thing. Which then if you just keep that ball going, it comes down to you and me. So I think there's a great lesson for us to learn. I think there's something for us to do in response to this story. I just want to ask you, what is the Lord? What is the what's the Lord done for us? I could personalize it. It's good. What has the Lord done for you? Now it's great if the Lord did something for you twenty years ago. That's great, but you you might want to update your portfolio. Okay, <laughs> I mean okay, yeah, that's great, but. I mean, if, if, you, if you can identify something that the Lord has done for you, like, recently, I would like to just look, could we visit? Because I think the Lord's a little bit more active in our lives than that. And maybe we're just not seeing it for what it is. What mercy has the Lord shown us? Again, Mercy 20 years ago, great. But what about mercy that is new every morning? Did you just say that? Oh, we just pooped. Okay, that's mercy. Mercy, mercy. It's my grandson. And one of the things I think that we can easily lose sight of is that we think that now that we're following Jesus and we're starting to obey and do the things, somehow we become our own worst enemies and we create these checklists. Well, if I do this, 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 and this, then God will be kind to me. So we can become performance addicts with our faith. And again, Jesus is just scratching his head saying, man, that's... I I came to to get people off that treadmill. Israel was on that treadmill. That's why Jesus started with Israel, because God had given revelation to them that would have freed them from this religious stuff. They didn't ever get off the treadmill, they just kept adding to the treadmills. And they were not. Why did Jesus go? Go study what this means. God wants mercy. He doesn't want more religious obligation. I, I, I fear for us. Because, that, again, that religious thing can start kicking in and we lose sight of the mercy, the unmerited favor that God has for us each and every day. And when we fall short, we fall short. But guess what? There's a God who says, I have mercy on you. I have paid the ultimate price for you. So that all you need to say is, I am really messed up. I forgive you based upon what I've done for you. He's done the work for us. What mercy has He shown you? What mercy has He shown you? You know, once we begin to see God's mercy shown to us, it's much easier to, sh- to extend mercy to one another. It's also much easier to extend mercy to the people around us that do not know Him. I, s- I will stop. Zip. I could go on. There's more to say there but zip. Holy Spirit's really good to say zip. So once we recognize what the Lord has done for us, and once we see the mercy that he has shown us, the next thing we need to do is go tell. Go tell, this is what the Lord has done for me. This is the mercy that God has shown to me. Go tell your story with your family and with your friends. It's truthfully the most natural thing we can do. And don't dress it up with religious jargon. Make it as non-religious as possible. Just tell your story. How many of us have stopped talking to our family about our faith? How many of us have stopped talking to our neighbors, our friends, about our faith? And we keep rubbing shoulders with me, me, some of the same people for year after year after year. And are we telling those people our story? Because God keeps doing things for us. And God keeps showing us mercy. And He wants to do the same for others. So if we could learn this lesson as we could like begin to put this in practice... I and mean, that's how God's rule begins to influence our community, our broken town. My friends, it really works. This individual who Jesus did so much for, who extended mercy to him, he went away, he began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. And some of those people said, I want Jesus to do that for me. I want that mercy shown me. Some of those people began to follow Jesus so much so that when Jesus feeds 4,000 on that side, it would go back to this guy. Incredible. So who will we amaze in New Braunfels? San Marcos, Seguin, Canyon Lake, Church, Cibolo, with our simple telling of what Jesus has done for us, what mercy He has shown to us. Would you like to stand with me and commit ourselves to letting Jesus do what He wants to do for us? for inviting Him to show His mercy to us, and then for the Holy Spirit to empower us just to simply go tell our story to our family and to our friends. Jesus, thank you so much that you invite us to follow you in the same way that these first disciples followed you. And thank you that that we really are, we are meant to learn from that history. We're, We're meant to rejoice in that history, but at the same time we're meant to see what you're trying to encourage us to do based upon that history. Holy Spirit, I'd ask that what you, I just, I ask you for help. Help us to recognize the mercy that you show us each and every day. And then, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would humble us so that we would recognize that we still need Jesus to do things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Lord, help us to see that our religious duty is not a substitute for Jesus doing for us. So help us to discern what Jesus is doing in our lives Help us to see the mercy that he's showing to us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower us to go tell our story to our family, to our friends, to the cities that we live in. We want you, Jesus, to do in others what you're doing in us. We want you to show mercy to others as you've shown to us. And we know that we're part of how you do that. So empower us to be storytellers with our story to those around us. And we ask, O Lord, that thousands would begin to follow you because just of this this simple storytelling. And it's in your name that we pray, O Lord. Amen. Thank you, friends, for our morning together. Enjoy a peaceful and restful day.